0: Good day, friends, and thanks for hopping on board here. I'm Margot McMillan, host of Farm and Fiddle, the radio program that celebrates and explores rural life for today and tomorrow. It's been a long time since I've mounted a Farm and Fiddle podcast, but in 2024, many things are happening that affect the rural life that we enjoy so much here in mid-Missouri. And February is the month when we like to talk to people who are active in working on policies coming our way. This podcast will feature a conversation with James Owen, Executive Director of Renew Missouri, an organization that works for renewable energy. The conversation aired on February 21st on KOPN 89.5 FM and KOPN.org and then stayed on the KOPN website for two weeks. And I feel it deserves a longer life, hence the podcast. Other interviews in this February series include Susan Burns, a founder of Mid-Missouri Landowners Alliance, an organization working to regulate the solar industry as it enters rural communities. And we'll have a conversation with Melissa Vaterat of Missouri Coalition for the Environment, who is working on water issues, and Tim Gibbons of Missouri Rural Crisis Center, working on policies affecting farmers who want to stay on the land. Okay, the conversation right now is with James Owen of Renew Missouri. And here goes. Thanks for listening. So um, I'm interested in knowing what's going on at the legislature as far as energy, what you see going on, and um, what you'd like to people to, to, get, to get familiar with and try to change maybe or try to get behind.
1: Yeah, and certainly we have a lot of opportunity. There's been a lot of energy-related bills that have been filed involving clean energy, involving nuclear power. Um, Some of it we like, some of it we don't, some of it we are kind of ambivalent to. I mean, I think, you know, the one thing that's important in a year like this is not a lot of legislation is going to get over the finish line. Um, There's a lot of dysfunction in the state Senate right now. So the idea that maybe one or two uh, concepts could pass if we're lucky um, gives us an opportunity, I think, for your listeners or anyone to get to know their lawmaker, to get to talk to them, to get to you know visit them at their office if they're able, and talk to them about why clean energy is important, why renewable energy matters, why energy efficiency is critical to all of it. Um, I think that uh, that is the important thing people need to be doing right now because. Uh, i just don 't think lawmakers hear from people who care about that, and mm-hmm. they need to because then I think once they know their constituents care about it, they will care about it as well
0: mm-hmm. absolutely so and it gets it 's a chance for us to get educated on what is what the laws are and uh-huh. what you know the future laws may be yes so yeah, so it 's absolutely important. Well, uh, which
1: one? What do you want? What do you want to start with? Uh, well, I was I was actually just bringing up there. I have a uh, a thirteen page list of bills that have been filed uh, with the summaries for them. So that's just that should give you an idea of how the volume of legislation that gets filed. And then what's even more incredible about that is like how few actually pass. Um, you know, last year we only had a handful of bills pass, and none of them were involving energy at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the one thing I think people could be encouraged by is some of the legislation that's been filed um, on the concept of community solar.
0: Yes. i yes. really – I'm glad you brought that up first. Well,
1: good. Uh, and because we're very excited about it as well, um, I, I can tell you that uh, there's three pieces of legislation, two in the House, one in the Senate, um, that uh, would allow a independent third party, not a utility – uh, not a co-op, uh, to build solar and to sell subscriptions to that solar directly to the customer, to the user. Um, so, like, for whatever reason, if you can't have solar on your rooftop or you can't have a ground mount um, on your property, like, let's say you rent an apartment or own a condo, uh, you can't have a can't have a rooftop solar in that situation so this would give you an opportunity to still enjoy that and take advantage of that to promote to to enjoy clean energy to enjoy energy independence and i think it would ultimately make that more competitive
0: what i understand is that if you have a subdivision or if you're a person who's going to build a subdivision that you could actually provide your own energy source you could put your own put a lot aside and put solar panels on it and that could be the energy source for the subdivision that's a possibility or apartment house or
1: that, that those are possibilities um, you know also just having a bit there is a community solar industry around the country that operates in about 17 18 states uh, where they build their own and they sell directly to the customer whether you live you know in an apartment complex or live in a neighborhood but yeah certainly under your example, uh, somebody could do that if you had a subdivision and you wanted to sell power to your cust- to your homeowners. There, mm-hmm. you would be able to do that. Now you can't.
0: Why? Why not?
1: Well, the law is very clear that if you you must be a utility to sell power huh. in the state. That is, I mean, that is one of the basic foundational bedrocks of the monopolistic system we have here. Uh, Utilities provide the generation, transmission, and distribution of power. The end. And so unless you are declared a utility by the Public Service Commission or you are granted that by some authority by city charter or by the federal government, as in the case of rural electric cooperatives, you do not get to be considered a utility.
0: So this bill... What's the bill number?
1: Well, there are three different bills. Um, Let's get the
0: numbers
1: out there. There is House Bill 2342, which is sponsored by Representative Betsy Fogle out of Springfield. Uh, There is House Bill 2574, which is uh, sponsored by Aaron McMullen out of Independence. And then there is Senate Bill 1347, which is sponsored by Senator Curtis Trent, also from Springfield. Okay. We have... uh, I think it is sometimes surprising to people that we have a lot of pro-renewable, pro-solar advocates uh, in southwest Missouri. Our group is uniquely kind of got a basis in southwest Missouri. Not only am I from the Springfield area, Mm -hmm. PJ Wilson, the founder of this organization, lived in Springfield for a number of years. And our board president, Dan Childs, was also a former Springfield city council member and now is uh, just kind of an advocate among other things. He's an entrepreneur as well. Uh, so I guess maybe we just have, like, a connection there. I so don't know. the rest <laughs> of the
0: state has just got to catch up.
1: With- well, I mean, listen, Aaron McMullen, uh, who is a Republican from Independence, a very conservative guy, And not only has he uh, sponsored this bill, but he has also sponsored another bill uh, involving net metering, expansion of net metering, uh-huh. annual <laughs> true-ups, increasing the caps, um... And like I said, you know, Curtis Trent, certainly not a wilting liberal, if you meet him. He's a conservative guy. Um, but, uh, you know, I think I think ultimately what I think is important for people to know is we are working very hard to make renewable energy either a bipartisan issue or a nonpartisan issue. Uh, I think for a long time it has been seen as left, as liberal. Um, certainly, I know that is a perception out there, but I think that No matter what your politics are, or if you have politics at all, you should be able to see what benefits this has.
0: Most commendable. I like this (laughs) nonpartisan. It's not easy, because,
1: I mean, look, everything's partisan these days.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, You know, everyone wants to take a side. Everyone feels like they're comfortable in their kind of tribal position. Um, And I just simply think that... um, it, like reality just doesn't work that way. That might work very well in social media. That might work very well with um, you know people who are hired to agitate. And I think there are people who make money off of the dysfunction of of government. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that uh, if you care about this issue, you should be working towards talking to everyone you know, no matter who they are. And, and talk to them about why this is important. Um, and I, I think that extends beyond just your lawmakers. Um, I think that it extends to the people that you go to school with, that you go to church with, that your neighbors with. And, you know, they might be surprised by how much they like some of these ideas.
0: Right. It, well, okay, so James Owen, one, one thing I think that I would think that would happen with community solar is it might eliminate some of the need for these Monster transmission Mm. lines in my neighborhood, in North Callaway, are causing lots of anxiety. Because these uh, lines are piping solar energy to the coasts. (coughs) Missouri's not benefiting, but a lot of our farmland will be taken up by these solar, uh, massive solar farms. So, am I correct in believing that the community solar idea will help waylay these international, I guess, but national for sure, uh, schemes?
1: Well, your question latches onto what I think is the most important concept we got to figure out in energy right now. This is probably not the answer you're wanting, but this is the answer you're going to get. Okay. No. <laughs> so we have to make a decision. Do we want to continue down the path of being able to have Large-scale utility-scale solar, wind, gas, nuclear, being made in far-flung places that require massive transmission lines to be built that deliver to where the majority of the people live. That's kind of the existing. um, That's kind of the existing system that we have right now, Um, and that is you know kind of what we're doing planning for now. There's also a line of thinking of, well, should we decentralize the grid? We have so much concern about national security, about natural disasters, you know, is it possible that we can have a series of microgrids that exist county to county, town to town, neighborhood to neighborhood, house to house, uh, where it can be separated uh, through things like community solar, through things like distributive energy resources, uh, which there is a federal push to uh, see if you know things like battery storage and s- solar panels and um, certain types of energy efficiency programs can work to you know lessen the stress on the grid, lessen the need for a, a big grid. Um, but I mean, ultimately, I think that's a decision we've got to make as a country.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: mean, you know, you look at the Inflation Reduction Act; it certainly is geared towards uh, large scale. Solar, large scale wind. Um, and, you know, that seems to be the decision a lot of people have made, but it doesn't have to be the case. Um, I think if you start seeing things like small modular reactors, like small nuclear power, I think once you start seeing battery storage, I, I think battery storage has the potential to be as disruptive to electric use as the cell phone was to the telephone industry. Hmm. Um, I think it could int- ultimately end up you know, really doing a lot to make it not a monopoly as much as it, as, it, as it was. I mean, you think about how telephones used to be a monopoly. Mm-hmm. They're not anymore, really. They don't even get regulated by the Public Service Commission. I think there's two people out of 200 that regulate telephones at the PSC. <laughs> huh. And it used to be the biggest thing they regulated. Um, So, you know, and I think ultimately with battery storage, if uh, utilities embrace it and get behind it, they will be able to figure out a way to make it part of their business model. If they do not, I think it will ultimately destroy them. Mm -hmm. And I think that will ultimately... But I think it will lead to a decentralization of the grid. Mm -hmm. So can Community Solar assist with that? Sure. Uh, But are we still going to have so much demand for power that we still need those transmission lines? Look, I'm afraid that's inevitable. Mm -hmm. And I say that as someone... I mentioned being from Southwest Missouri. um, My family farm has a transmission line that got built over it. They had to use eminent domain to do it. My dad didn't want to sell to them, but guess Mm -hmm. what? They had to. They ended up having to do it because that's how eminent domain works. That was a co-op. And by the way, I should point out the legislature. Whenever they put out uh, kind of you know anti eminent domain. legislation or they try to make it where they have to pay landowners more money co-ops are always excluded from those
0: oh
1: always with almost without question Uh so i don't know how a co-op transmission line is supposed to be more pro-freedom than uh (laughs) than 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 grain belt as an example but i mean that's that's what the legislature has essentially said Mm. so um you know yeah do yeah do i think that community solar could you know Move us in a different direction. Yes, but I think there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be doing that
0: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah uh, Complicated that was a that was that was <laughs> again. I told you that was not the answer you were expecting
0: <laughs> No, but It's an honest answer and and I think just your uh, Your statement that you know, we just have to make we have to put thought into this we have to uh. really decide as a, um, a community and a nation like, how do we want the, the power of the future to look? Because it's not going to go away. It-
1: uh, we are going to have to be relying on some form of large-scale generation of power, uh, whether that's going to be nuclear, gas, solar, wind, etc. cetera. Uh, we are going to be, I mean, look, it's only going to get more necessary. We're going to have more electric vehicles. Uh, I think we're going to start seeing more electric appliances. Uh, the stress to the grid is only going to become more of a reality mm-hmm. um, and I think that's something that I listen I think some of the smartest people I've ever met are working on these problems um,
0: really mm-hmm. oh
1: yeah I mean like I, I think you, you, you meet people who work at utilities you, I might not agree with everything they do, but I think they're very smart. Mm-hmm. I think they I think they understand these issues, and you might not like their motivations or like what the conclusions they reach, but I think they're very good at it. Mm-hmm. I think the people working in the clean energy advocacy are very bright, and they're pushing of uh, things in a, in a particular direction. It's not just our group. We you know, but they're all over the country, all over the world. People are trying mm-hmm. to to solve these problems. I mm-hmm. mean. Um, Or, you know, they believe that there is a a problem that needs to be solved and they're trying to look for a solution that will make things cleaner and cheaper and better. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I believe that if we keep at it, I know that it's a short timetable. I know that we have got tremendous demands on this planet with the temperatures and with sea levels and everything else. But I believe we are... Moving this in a, as quick of a direction as, as we can. I mean, it's not quick enough.
0: No, we're putting our energy into it, though our our personal energy into
1: it. Yeah, and look, and I think that's I, I, I think it's critical. I think all we can do. Communicating about it. I think trying to go to the legislature and talking about it again. I do not believe these lawmakers have just a natural aversion to clean energy. I think they have been conditioned to believe that. But if they believe that you care about it, they believe their constituents care about it. They that will change the way they look at things.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you are listening to a conversation with James Owen of Renew Missouri. This is Farm and Fiddle. I'm Margo McMillan. This podcast is based on an interview that aired February 21st, 2024. Next, the conversation moves to bills that are against net metering which is the act of putting uh, solar collectors or wind collectors onto your property and hooking up to the grid so that you can sell power to the electric company or use their power depending on if the sun's shining if the wind's blowing. This is often called net metering but it's also called rooftop solar.
1: I would say that if you're concerned about rooftop solar, there are a number of anti-solar bills uh, that would add charges to your bill if you were a solar customer.
0: So is this net metering? Is net metering. Is this about net metering? Yeah, okay. that's right. So if you became, Rooftop stuff. Yeah, if you became completely independent, if you're playing Oh, sure. Then you wouldn't have to worry about... If you went
1: off bills. the grid, you wouldn't have to worry about that. But that's... Let's face it, that's that's challenging to do. Until you get residential scale batteries. I think then it'll be easier. Avergy's already experimenting with a pilot providing uh, residential size batteries to customers that are solar customers in their service territory. Um, we advocated for that. They asked for that. We got that. Uh, so I think that's going to be 50 to 100 ohm. Um So they're going to see how that works. Um, basically, what they want to do is have that uh, power stored so they can call it up themselves.
0: Well, at this point, we had gotten completely off the track of what bills to follow that had to do with net metering, also called rooftop solar. So let's go back to the conversation and uh, ask that question. What bills is James Owen of Renew Missouri watching?
1: Uh, 1705, House Bill 1705. Uh, uh, 1854, sponsored by Bob Banderman out of Franklin County. Uh, I think it's Senate Bill 855, sponsored by uh Senate Majority Leader Cindy O'Laughlin out of Shelbyna. That's anti solar, uh, anti rooftop solar, as well as 1090, which is sponsored by. Senator Carla Esslinger out of Ozark County. Um,
0: so give us what what is the reason for not wanting rooftop solar?
1: Because the utilities don't like it.
0: Okay. And it
1: messes with their business model that they are then competing with their customers to produce power, and that's just not how they operate, and they don't like dealing with it. They don't like dealing with the interconnection. They don't like dealing with the solar installers, and so basically they have made it, particularly the rural electric cooperatives and the municipal utilities have made it a directive to kill the solar industry in this state.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: But, I mean, again, if you you have a state rep or you have a state rep that is on that House Utility Committee, it's very important for you to reach out to them and tell them how important it is that those bills don't go anywhere.
0: Okay, so, so these bills would would make it harder for a homeowner to put their own rooftop solar in? It would
1: add a charge to it, which would basically mean they could charge you whatever they want, which would basically negate any economic benefit you got from solar.
0: Okay, any others that we should be watching?
1: Oh, yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, depending on... um, Let me see if I can bring it up here. I mean, you know, I don't know if there's any interest from your listeners about nuclear power. um, Yeah,
0: of course.
1: But uh, the concept of construction work in progress where um, you would be billed for the construction of a power plant while it's it's not online, while it's not being used to make power. Mm -hmm. um, Because right now that is really the only way. I mean, like nuclear power plants are so expensive they got to like start charging customers for them as they're being built. So that's why, you know, there's a lot of nuclear advocates or lawmakers who like nuclear power who are pushing for Quip, which was um, rejected by voters in 1976. I know that was a while ago now. Um, Quip is House Bill 1804. That's Representative John Black from my my hometown of Marshfield. And then there's another one. Where is it at? Fort... House Bill 1435 from Willard Haley.
0: Okay, so so what would these do for um, you know a person who's like maybe worried about nuclear, maybe worried about uh, you know uh, what we've seen in Ukraine where nuclear power plants uh, seem to be a target.
1: Well, look, I don't know if the utility companies are going to start building nuclear if this bill passes. I mean, nuclear power is a massive investment. It is really expensive. It is really um, capital-intensive problem. I mean, you're talking about years and years and years to build Mm -hmm. billions of dollars invested. Um, I don't even know if this would matter. I don't think the utilities are necessarily pushing for it. I've looked at the utilities' 20-year plans, and most of them, they might mention small modular reactors, but we're still several years away from that being a realistic option. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe maybe that is a viable option someday. I, I would be surprised. I mean... We tried to do small modular reactors before we started building big power plants, and we found out the small versions were more expensive. Mm. (laughs) Maybe that's changed. Maybe technology has changed, and that's not going to be the case anymore. But I think that would still be used for this. I mean, so if you're worried about your utility bill, I'd be worried about those bills.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so bottom line, um, are there any others that we should be looking at or how do we learn? I think those
1: are the ones that you're going to see movement on um, that are kind of big picture stuff. There's some small stuff that I think will be important, but I mean, you know, there's some stuff trying to fix the solar property tax assessment. I don't know if anybody's very excited about that. I, I think it's important because it it, it lends to um, it lends to regulatory certainty in the state that people know what they're gonna what their sales tax no, the property tax is going to be on solar equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have some hope that that problem will get fixed and we'll get some we'll get some uh, some improvement there. But uh, you know, I don't think anyone's going to be really getting too worked up about calling their lawmakers about. Property tax assessments on solar equipment, maybe. If they are, they should email me at james at and I'll bore you with it over email.
0: Okay, so <laughs> to learn more, we can email you. And- you can
1: email me at james at uh, We are renewmo.org. We, uh, that's our website. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or X, or whatever you're calling it, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. We're everywhere. <laughs>
0: Okay. Well, good. You're everywhere.
1: And we have a podcast for new gurus. Oh yeah, I going to talk about that. Yeah. Spot. You can find that on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. We do those about every two weeks.
0: Okay.
1: Have one come out next week. In fact.
0: Okay. Excellent. And are you going to have a lobby day or? How-
1: oh yes. You're doing
0: lobby day.
1: I'm glad you asked. Uh, Wednesday, March 6, Mosia Missouri Solar Energy Industry Association. MOSIA for short, is having a solar lobby day. Um, they are going to be meeting at 1115 at Madison's Cafe to go over like what their strategy is. And then at 1230, they're going to go to the Capitol building and you're going to go meet with lawmakers, preferably your lawmaker, and talk about why solar is important for you. And um, I will not be at that because I will be out of town for work. I will be in Austin, Texas for work. Um, but, uh, John Dolan, Dolan at Mosia.com would be where you'd get information about that. Or you can email me and I'll send it, I'll send you all the information you need.
0: Okay. And James Owen had some tips about if we are going to go to the Capitol and visit our legislators on, on our own. Wednesdays, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, in his opinion, were the best days to catch your legislators at the Capitol.
1: Committee hearings are happening. The session is always in session. Um, Monday, no one gets there till 4 o'clock. Friday, they're gone. Thursday, they're gone by noon. I guess Tuesday and Wednesdays are about the only times you can do it, and usually we just try to fit a slot in when someone's not already there. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah.
1: And that's also when House Utilities Committee meets, so that's also another big draw to get people to go watch that and see what that's like
0: oh yeah that's good
1: yeah it's usually at noon usually sometimes it changes but it's usually at noon on wednesdays
0: excellent Mm -hmm. thank you sir anything else you want
1: to oh i've said enough Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) and that was a conversation with james owen executive director of renew missouri Working on renewable energy issues. You can learn more from his website at renewmo.org. This is Margot McMillan reminding you that Farm and Fiddle airs on Wednesday evenings from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Time on KOPN 89.5 FM in Missouri and KOPN.org on the World Wide Web. Other Farm and Fiddle podcasts for February 2024 are with activist Susan Burns of Mid-Missouri Landowners Alliance, working to regulate the solar industry. Melissa Vatterat of Missouri Coalition for the Environment, working on water issues. And Tim Gibbons of Missouri Rural Crisis Center, working on issues affecting farmers who want to stay on the land. Hope you enjoy all these podcasts and thanks for listening.